Hello to all our regular and legends listeners, and you found another bonus episode. Uh, and this one, we're back in London at a very old pub called Ye Oldie Mitre. It's even got an old English name. Almost 500 years old, this pub. But we had another question uh, that Jeff was posed uh, the other day. And we came up on our, uh, after a couple of pints, about what should we start, stop and continue doing? That's a very obvious question to the Scrum Masters amongst you that might have used that question in a retrospective. But to be honest, Jeff and I had never really stopped to ask us that uh, ourselves. So that was a bit of a challenge and kind of caught me off guard to a degree. But we also looked at what Scrum Masters should start, stop and continue, as well as what product owners generally should start, stop and continue. So it's quite an in-depth conversation. We hope you're enjoying these extra episodes um, and make sure you're telling your friends and your colleagues all about the podcast, patreon.com forward slash the Agile podcast. There's plenty of different tiers available, plenty of offers and plenty of great benefits to be had. So here we go. Uh, enough of me talking. I'm going to say goodbye and we're going to play the jingle. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Oh, what you got? Well, my <laughs> it's called a mixed metaphor, which I thought was too good a name to turn down. Really. You, were, you were sold on the name. Well, I was then, definitely yeah. sold on the name. It's a dark, uh, I'll say it's like an oaty, stouty, but not nowhere near as heavy as a Guinness or anything. It's got no no head on it, has it? No, no, it's, it's not frothy. No... It's like a it's a flat, like a porter. Uh, no, it's not. It's not as heavy as a porter. It's, it's it's like a light oat stout, but it's got a bit of a. Mm. What is that flavour? Is it is it a mix? It's not quite toffee. Yeah, I'm. So, I, it's a beer that doesn't really know what it is. Really? Yeah. Is I'm that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't, it's not bad. It's all right. It's it's, it's definitely drinkable. It's not yeah. quite sweet. It's almost a little bit salty. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, a bit of a mixed metaphor there. Uh, I do get into mixed metaphors now and again. I'm not the king of metaphors. No, Nigel's the king of metaphors. I'll mix them up, unfortunately. But I do like a metaphor. And what are you drinking? Uh, mine's a very simple drink. It's just vodka and Diet Coke. Vodka and Diet Coke. And we are in a very, very old pub. We stumbled across this, didn't we? Well, yeah, almost, literally. In you nearly uh, tripped me up. On um, Hatton Garden in London. Well, we were walking down Hatton Garden, which is famous, of course, for its diamonds and its jewels and, and yeah. uh, jewelries. And um, this is called Ye Olde Mitre, which a mitre is a bishop's hat. Yes. And it's nearly 500 years old. And in a nice way, it looks it. Yeah, it's good. It's got a good vibe in it. It's, it's, it's kind of lots of little rooms, isn't it? Kind of squirreled away, little. Uh, li- yeah. There's a room there called Ye Closet. <laughs> uh, sort of little, little little rooms off the main bar, and a nice little outdoor bar area as well. It's quite nice. I quite like it. 
a little uh, alleyway to get to, get to yeah. it. It's built, things have been built around it, haven't they? And it, it says there was, um, so I'm reading the history now on their website, it was built for the servants of the bishops of Ely, which is in Cambridge. Well, this is called Ely Court, isn't yeah. it? The name of this little street's off, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, there it is. Yeah, she says the pub was actually a part of Cambridge. Was it? Ely being in Cambridge. Yeah. And the licensees used to have to go to Cambridge to get their license. Really? Uh, it's near where William Wallace was hung, drawn, and quartered. Ah, Braveheart. Uh, lots of other traitors and martyrs were killed. Uh, it's famous for having a cherry tree, which now supports the front, that Queen Elizabeth danced around with Sir Christopher Hatton. Really? There's, there's another pub just around the corner called the Sir Christopher Hatton. So, obviously, that's the name connected with Hatton Garden, I'm assuming. Yeah. Hatton yeah. What did Sir Christopher Hatton do? Well, yeah. I don't know. Okay. I'm guessing he he, he, he brought some jewels. <laughs> some blood diamonds. diamonds from somewhere. Yeah. Like but um, no, it's nice. It's uh, I like a, it's a pub with a story. Very pub. It's got a fireplace right next to you here. It's very wooden beams, black wooden beams. Yeah. It's got Lots a of charred tankards hanging from the ceilings. Yeah. Bottled beers and shelves. Yeah, it's good. It's got a lot of character, isn't it? Yeah. It's got a lot of character. Yeah. So, what's on the agenda today, Jeff? What do you want to talk about? Well, um... Hmm, good question. I, I was asked a question recently. And I often say it's very rare that I've, I've, I get asked a question that I haven't been asked before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, and it was. What, what would I recommend that the scrum masters of the world should start, stop, and continue? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I can't actually remember what I said. So uh, scrum masters of the world unite. What should they start doing? Stop doing? Yeah. So it's this start, stop, continue is a very common retrospective. Yeah structure, framework, template, technique, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I was asked, given my penchant uh, for advising Scrum Masters, what would my advice be to, to Scrum Masters in general? Uh, I think, well, what, what would you say before I... Because I've already, I've already had a go. Start, what are we not doing now? I think I'd like to start... I know it's probably happening in some, but that starts creating more things. I don't know. That's what I'd say. Inspire. I think we could be better at inspiring and creating people. Moving past the basics. We were saying this the other day, weren't we? The, scrums, the Scrum Alliance has been around 20, 20 or so years now. and I think we need to stop teaching the basics. And, well... Because 20 years on, you'd hope that the basics are fairly well cemented now. Yeah. They should be. And we need to start leveraging the role better and helping people do scrum better rather than do scrum in the first place. I don't know what that looks like. It's just my gut. Okay. It's just what my gut's telling me. What should they stop doing? Um... Stop. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. 
I was going to say blaming, blaming other parts of the organisation. I hear a lot of that lately. Of, of they need to do this and they need to do that yeah. to make our lives easier. So stop, stop focusing on expending your efforts in the wrong energy in the wrong areas. Okay. And um, divert your attention to what you can do rather than, rather than what you can't do. Okay. And keep, keep, keep the faith. That's what Bon Jovi once said. Um, keep. Um, June, June. Um, what do they want to keep? What do we want to continue doing? Continue, keep standing by your principles. Okay. Keep your principles. Practices can change, principles need to stay fairly constant. Yeah. Okay. What about you, so, Jeff? Well, so I think what I said was. Uh, scrum masters should start practicing what they preach. Okay. In s specifically around asking for help. So I've seen a lot of scrum masters, especially over the last couple of years, lockdown, burning out. Okay. Uh, and largely because they aren't asking for help. They don't feel they can. They're not looking after themselves. Yeah. And so I've used this phrase before of uh, fit your own oxygen mask before you help others. Um, someone else says something oh, which, I, which I will have to I'll have to quickly find uh, because it was a good way of putting it. Hold the line caller. Yeah, hold the line caller. So it won't be long. All right, I'll fill for you for a bit. It's, uh, it's a Thursday night in London. Uh, time check. It's. It was. Uh, 8, 8, 19. You PM. don't have to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. Ah, nice. Who said that? Kerry Newton Sagara. Ah, nice. Uh, yeah, I like that. Um, and so I, I, I said about... I'll often speak to Scrum Master, or even, even yeah, just Agile leaders, really. And when I ask them about why don't they ask for help, why don't they reach out, and say, well, I don't want to be a burden on people, I don't want to yeah, but make them feel obligated to help me, I don't want to yeah. be an obligation. And so I said, well, how do you feel when people ask you for help? It's all I like it. It's nice. You know, I get to help people. Uh, it obviously means that they trust me, they think I can help. You know, they have faith in my abilities. It's a nice feeling. So, well, be generous now. Give someone else the opportunity to feel that way and ask for help. Yeah. So think, I think we should start doing that. Scrum masters, you think, are expected to know all the answers? Well, I, I think they're expect they see themselves as helpers. And I think the rise of the agile coaching role, though, has also pandered to that, that they are the saviour, they are the, the font of all knowledge. You go to an ad, even even this week, I had scrum masters say to me, "What should we do? What should we do? What should we do?" Well, I think it's that they, a lot of the scrum masters actually see themselves first and foremost as the protector. Yeah. Because there's so much to shield the team from in our organisations, and especially when when they're remote, it's harder to pick up on stuff. So they're, they're constantly trying to see if everything's okay and getting very little back. Yeah, true. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, 
Well, uh, yeah, I think that's something that Scrum Masters need to start doing more of, I think. Um, stop doing hmm. Don't just say the opposite at all. Well, and that's the, that's the difficult <laughs> thing, is the, the easy thing is to say, say the opposite to what yeah, they need to start Stop burning out, but yeah. um, I think they need to stop ignoring... Stuff outside the team, so it's easy to focus on the team because it's there right in front of you and it's noisier. But often it's a, it's going to sound really overly negative, but because I'm I'm drinking a pint of mixed metaphor, I'm going to throw in a metaphor. It's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You can get the team happy, but if the rest of the organisation is going to hell, what's the point? Um, so taking that organisation change agent side of the role a lot more seriously. I think it's something yeah, maybe that's something we should start doing, but we should stop ignoring it. Yeah. Um, keep doing I think keep repeating the important messages. It's so easy to think, well I've said it, so it must people must have heard it. But it can take a lot of repetition for one message to really get internalised and accepted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it feels like you're a broken record and you know, you're annoying people, but actually, uh, you need to you need to repeat things a lot. So be prepared to be a bit of a a broken record. One thing I'd add to be to keep, which again came up for me this week in a coaching conversation, is keep reminding yourself of the successes you've had mm. it's quite easy to get focused on the things that are broken yeah but for this particular organisation I was coaching they've actually come a heck of a long way and it's easy to forget the journey you've been on when you hit an impasse or when you hit a, uh, a difficulty yeah you tend to focus on oh yeah you defeated but then you know you've got past a lot of the Someone I was working with this week said 80%, it's like the anti-swinch rule, 80% of the, of the hard work, sorry, 80% of the value was in the first 20% of the hard work, the hard, the work you've done. So a lot of the, the stuff that you're into now is the difficult stuff. It's the, it's the big boulders, it's the big problems, the big impediments, yeah. the organisational stuff that can, that can wear you down. But it's not going to happen overnight? No. That you've, you've done your, your, your quick wins. You've got those. You've banked those. You've done the easy stuff. Now you're into the now you're into the big heavy stuff. Yeah. It's easy to lose lose faith. Yeah. I had um, something similar actually. A client recently where there was a bit of a Devonus culture, and you know, a lot of change was needed. And you know, they'd made, they'd, they'd done some, they'd done a release where they'd taken a manual process and they'd basically automated 95% of it, 96% of it or something, which was a huge success. Yeah. But one part of the organisation said, yeah, but you didn't, what about the other 4%? Yeah. And like, that's such a kick in the gut. Yeah for a team that thinks they've done really well. Yeah. Think, well, what about the other 4%? And of course, you don't want to forget about that 4%, but 
if you if you'd worried about a hundred percent, you'd have never got the ninety-six. Something you said as well in, in it when we were working together last week is it stuck with me because I repeated it again this week. I said that, that good is still good. Yeah. And you, it's quite easy to forget that you might be, like say, you've done 80, 90% of the hard work and you're in a, still in a better place, you're still in a good place, you're still delivering more than you ever have done before. Yeah. But it's easy to focus on, uh, but if only, we, if only we could do this, if only we could get this working, if only we got that extra 10%. But, you know, stop. Yeah. Take a minute, celebrate the success you made. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah. And then you, the energy will come back. <coughs> what about product owners? What should they start, stop, and keep? Uh, stop. <laughs> this might not be true of all product owners, but stop obsessing around velocity. Stop. Um, I've got lots of stops for product owners. Stop immersing yourself in the solution. It's easy to flip that and say, start. I mean the problem, not the solution. I see that a lot. I see because mainly because teams want product owners to to provide solutions and to provide the answer. Just tell me what you want. Well, do they? A lot of product owners I do. do. Yeah. They're business analysts. They're um, solution. They're, they're user story writers and they're um, yeah. They're proxy product owners at best, I think. I think many of them. Stop. So I asked you start, stop, continue, and you started with stop. That's it, yeah. So I like. Because I think stop in general is something that product owners need to do a lot more of. Yeah. I've yet to be at an organisation where they haven't been doing far too much stuff. Stop taking at too many. At an organisational level, at a product level. Start, it's similar to Scrum Masters, but I think. No, wait, wait. So, what was I saying? About product owners. Um, so, I, I like the fact that you started with stop. <laughs> because I think, in general, product owners need to stop. Just almost, almost just, just full stop. Yeah. Because they've yet to be in a place that isn't doing too much. Too many products, too many projects, too many features. Too many teams at the same Too time. much in progress. And you know, all of the stuff that they're doing is jeopardising everything that they're doing. Um, and yeah, stop doing... Do less stuff to get more stuff done. It's very easy, isn't it, to come on to keep now, but you're, I, I'm heavily biased by the product owners that you speak to and the product owners you work with. In terms of keep, I would say keep... Keep sharing product knowledge, and what I mean by that is the pro sharing product awareness. I'd say with who? With anyone. Uh, so the team with anyone interested with senior levels of the organisation. Be uh, instead of waiting to be asked. Give, give more away. Share more. Share more about what the product's doing, where it's going. Um, keep people engaged. Oh, I think I missed my start, didn't I? Did you? 
I, don't know, I, I was talking about user-centered design, I think. And where I was going with that is that users can't always be trusted. Yeah. Um, so my start would probably run good experiments. Yes. Um, experiments that allow real data to emerge rather than relying on hearsay or, or surveys, what people would like to think they would do as opposed to what they actually will do. Yeah. Uh, so doing that and then... So what was your, what was your keep sharing, keep sharing product, product knowledge or yeah. share product awareness? Uh, keep, 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 keep. Keep. Uh, keep being part of the team. That seems, that's really bad English. I think keep asking. Keep asking questions. Product owners don't need to have all the answers, but they, they do need to keep asking questions of the customers, of the team, of the stakeholders, of the, of the market, of all that kind of stuff. Keep um, playing the game. So I was, a couple of product owners I've seen dis disconnect lately from their teams. On that, um, stop doing stuff. I was another question I was asked recently was, do you think we should start talking to leaders about uh, using Little's law as a reason for doing less stuff? Using what? Then? Little's law. What's Little's law? Queuing theory. Right. Um, well, no, it's, it's a, like it's, it's a theorem. It's like. A, Basically says this is if you got these two if you got stationary systems yeah the um, oh, oh. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to read it now otherwise I'll get it wrong the average number of customers is equal to the long-term average effective arrival rate multiplied by the average time the customer spends in the system so. It's, it's Kanban teams use it to work out their whip limits scientifically. Um, it's, it's basically a scientific way of working out how much work in progress is, is ideal. Okay. Or is appropriate in the circumstances. And so you can you can count, use that to actually say to management, leadership, this is how many projects we should have ongoing. Yeah. So I was, I was asked the question, should we be actually using something like that? Something more mathematical. Well, yeah, so it's a theorem. It's, you know, it's, it's widely accepted. It's been yeah. proven. And my instinct was that can be incredibly powerful, but in my experience, people make their decisions based more on emotion than data and logic. Yes. And then they will look for data and logic to back up their emotional response. So what I've found personally more effective is stories because stories capture people's emotion they, they, they can they're personalized they're humanized they can see themselves in those stories that they want to they want a happy ending they want they believe in the moral of the story and then if they're if they're on board with it then they can then something like Lytton's law would add weight to it yeah for them yeah well, what have you seen helpful for companies to actually you know, throttle back on the amount of stuff they're doing at the one time? Asking tougher questions of why or um, 
which of these things that we're doing actually has a deadline. So I was having a conversation this week with a group and they've got far too much work on their plate. Only one of those things actually has a deadline that they have to meet um, legally or from a, from a government point of view. All of the other stuff is just as soon as possible, but it's not deadline driven yet. The product owners are making decisions based on deadlines that they've created. Maybe artificially, maybe in their own minds, I don't know. But when, when you really do push back and, and ask the questions of more senior leaders, it may not be as catastrophic as you think yeah. if you need to do less. And it's that, it's that picture that we, I mean, I went to drew this picture again, and we've drawn it for years from Lean, the idea of the, con the multitasking, yeah. the context switch, of having three projects running simultaneously versus having the same three projects run in sequence. The perception is, if we have more things in motion, we're making more progress. But in fact, we're not. We're going slower than ever. But everyone is uh, thinks that things are moving. And just trying to educate senior leaders, product owners, that you can get the same three projects done no slower, in fact faster, if you just prioritised one, two, three, rather than trying to have everything as an equal priority. Yeah. But that's incredibly hard once to push back if those three projects are already in motion, because it's hard to stop something after it's started. Yeah. I was on that note last week that I was um, stopped by someone and asked... So like they didn't stop me in the street. Uh, they, they, they came up to me and asked me, so that, that way you were talking about, stop, stop doing stuff. Um, so in, in our team, we've got 12 projects at the moment that are all um, driven by the regulator. Yeah. And they all have dates that are imposed upon us. And if we don't meet them, we have significant, significant fines. So they are all non-negotiable. We have to do them all. That's legal, but we can't do them all. So, what would you what would you recommend? I said, well, I mean, if you can't do them all, don't do them all. Said, yeah, but we have to. Said, but if you can't, you can't. Yeah. And so I said, the, just from a theoretical, or not theoretical, but from a from a high level perspective. For me, the best chance of achieving 12 things is to not do 12 things. Go on, tell me more. So, her instinct is, well, we've got all these projects. We need to meet these deadlines, so we've got to start them now. But what you're saying, and what I would say to her, is start with three. And get yeah. those three done, yeah. off the plate. And then move on to the next three. That's the best chance you have of, of delivering 12. That's by not doing nine. It's not by doing 12 at the same time. But that's so risky, it feels so risky, it's, it takes such courage. And yeah, there is a risk that you don't do 12, but the best, the other way is if you do 12 at one time, the chances are you won't get any of them. It's interesting if you play that back, it's, you know, in terms of rag reports, remember you used to have to do rag yeah. reports for BT. Would a senior leader, or would a, an organiser, a, a, a senior manager, rather see 12 rag reports all amber, or three green and nine red. Nine red, yeah. So we get the sense that if it's moving, we've got something to talk about, we've got yeah. something to share. But in fact, 
And we used to joke about this in BT a lot. And I remember one of our slides in our CSM course back in the day was the Scrum Master Challenge. And we, we listed a whole load of Scrum Master Challenges that you have to contend with. And the one on the bottom, so I've got a good memory for this one, was the belief in magic. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's genuinely, and I'm still sure it hasn't changed, that a lot of people in very senior positions with, with a lot of control over project decisions have the belief that it will all come good in the end. I've completely forgotten about that until you mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. The, the idea that, cross your fingers, if we just, if we just you know, hope for the best, Even you know, that kind of... There's only 1% oh, chance that we can still yeah, put it out of the bag. Oh, well, you know, it'll all come good in the end. Yeah. Come on, everyone, we can do this. I'm sure it'll come good. And it doesn't, of course, it, it never comes good. You just the shit hits the fan later than it would do if you were if it was hitting it earlier. So, well, yeah, the bigger problem is when it does appear to come good in the end. Yeah, that, that, that we've achieved the impossible project. Yeah, yeah. by then, by burning everyone out yeah. and, and killing everyone. Yeah. And that then justifies justifies the the stress. Yeah. Everyone has a party, and yeah, we we celebrate the success, whereas in fact. It's the, it's the opposite. It's just achieving the impossible makes the impossible possible. Or is it achieving the impossible only results in the impossible being added to your everyday list? Yeah, there's another quote from one of our Something first courses. Yeah. yeah. It was quite a few years. I don't know who wrote that slide. It was probably you at the time. Or whether we stole it from Ken. No, it's probably me. <laughs> oh no, no. Oh, it's probably me. I bet if you ask Nigel, he's still using that slide now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, one of them was the era of opacity. Yeah, that's definitely me. Is it? Yeah. Is that your, your words? Is yeah. it? So, the, uh, the history of not sharing information. The cloak. I'm trying to metaphors now. The cloak of, of something Obscurity. Else. Obscurity. I like that. Sounds very mysterious, doesn't it? But yeah, historically, years would go past, in BT's terms, years would go past without you really ever knowing how far you are through. I was asked, one of my first jobs, first of all, one of my jobs in BT was a project planner. Remember that? Have I told you about this before? I don't think so. I think you got me the job. No. Mike Nicholson Lewis got me the job. Okay. Via you and via Denim. And my job was basically to create a plan that made the project look like it was on target. Okay, even though it wasn't. Even though it wasn't. Make, and I was told, go away, Paul, and make a plan that looks good. <laughs> I was basically told that. And that Brilliant. was my job, project planner. I think I got a GS that year. I didn't do very well that year. Generally satisfactory. Generally satisfactory. I didn't, uh, that's, so in terms of, for people listening, the BT kind of grading system of one to five, generally satisfactory was just about doing your job, just about. There was needs improvement, which was the bottom, which was you were on like a performance improvement plan if you were needs improvement. I was one step above that. Well, above that was good, then very good, then outstanding or excellence, wasn't it? That's where I was. <laughs> But yeah, and it all, this awful exercise every year to try and work out how many people can be GS, how many people, yeah. 
Happy days, mate. Happy days. Yeah, the era of opacity. So, uh, the illusion of command and control. Is another that's one. one yeah. Is that, you wrote that one as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that same person who asked me what should Scrum Master start, stop, and continue asked me what I'm going to start, stop, and continue. Oh, okay. Go on. Oh, I'm ask you, you ask first. me first so yeah. you can think about it. What am I going to start doing? What am I going to start doing? I thought of something the other day. Oh dear. Steady on. Um, I'm going to start. What am I going to start doing? What am I going to stop doing? Oh, that's good. I don't know where to, where to start. Where to start, literally. Where to st or stop or keep. Oh, what I want to keep doing is is my work-life balance. So it made me think today when I was lugging my suitcase around London yeah. that I don't want to do this every week. Okay. I know that we've had a conversation about this and I know that you've enjoyed it. It's been a sense of normal for you this week. But it just made me think I'm glad I have a balance and um, I want to keep that balance. Yeah. Well, mine was similar. The key is that as of the last few weeks, I've got. It's been good. You've enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. So I've been back on site and, and you know, having fun, seeing people face to face. Yeah. But also, you know, had the opportunity to do a, you know, a, a talk from my shed. Yeah. An in-house talk at nine o'clock, which meant I could take the little boy to nursery, get yeah. home, do the talk. So yeah, it was a good balance. Probably more a different kind of balance to the one that you've got, but still yeah. appropriate for what I what I wanted at the moment. I wanted to keep. Yeah, that. there's a lot of things that I've created at home, family-wise, and for me personally, I think have done me good, and I want to keep keep being able to do that so I think that that split of hybrid a hybrid but just not I was saying to one of the delegates today that it, quite regularly before three or three or four days a week or nights a week in a hotel and I don't lug in my suitcase living out of a suitcase and I don't really want to go back to to that completely because I'm tired at home then I'd just be tired and I'd just be exhausted what do I want to start doing what do I want to start doing? What do I want to start doing? I want to start. Struggling to start. Well, you know what I'm starting. I'm, I'm starting running my own courses. Yeah. So I'm stopping my Scrub Alliance courses and starting my own courses, mm. which is quite scary. Why is it scary? Well, it's, um, it's it's going back to those days when we were teaching advanced Scrum Master classes yeah. when there wasn't a certificate attached to it. It was just, this is what we think is what Scrum Masters need. And lots of people were saying, yeah, yeah I'd love to do that, but my company won't pay for it because there's no badge. 
no certificate. So it was it was hard it was hard going to establish it, but it was worthwhile. And now it's something that you know, the Scrum Alliance has put their badge to, and Scrum.org took our, a lot of our. You know, we collaborated on the content for their curriculum as well. So it's, it's it's been useful, but it's to me it's still not good enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, yeah, take a gamble. You're a risk taker, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going, there. Keep trying. One of these things will pay off eventually. Anything you want to stop? Well, I'm stopping the scrum lights. Right. Okay. Um, what else do I want to stop? Uh, I've got. I've still got quite a lot of work in progress that I need to cull. So I need to practice what I preach. Can I tell you something you should stop doing? Yeah. Stop working at weekends. Yeah. <laughs> you do text me a lot of weekends. Yeah. And it's on a Sunday. Sunday seems to be worse than Saturdays. Yeah. Do you work on a Sunday? Do you check in on Sundays? I'm you... sat in front of the telly, maybe watching the football or something, and my mind wanders about what I'm going to be doing tomorrow, and I like to be prepared. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm trying everything I can not to on a, on a Sunday. Yeah, I think that's, again, that's my, um, I was talking about this with a colleague, a chat, someone on our course today, about the things that have developed during lockdown that I like, and then, um, you know, the, the connect, I, I feel closer to my family now than I think I ever have, and I think they've got used to me being at home as well, a lot yeah. more, yeah, so. Taking you for granted yet? Oh, yeah, always, yeah, but, um. I think we'll start. I think we'll start this year. I'd like to start sharing a bit more of my stuff. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Find a way to get people to come along. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> that sounds very, sounds almost illegal. Um, but no, I think I need to. I've got a lot of stuff, a lot of material, a lot of games that I think people need to. I want to start sharing that more. Okay. What I want to do. So yeah, watch the space. We don't know when this is going to be <laughs> for Discord, do we? So we'll have to put a bit of a bit of preamble on it. Yeah, we'll put it in the introduction. If we stop now, yeah. we'll think about it and come back and do an introduction okay. <laughs> in reverse. Cheers. Cheers, chap. <laughs>